Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Welcome to week number two of Life Verse. I'm really glad that you're here. And what we're doing is we're thinking about writing scripture into our hearts, which I believe is a great choice. Here's how today is going to work. I've got a couple of verses from Psalm 119 that I want to read to you that I believe are very powerful. After that, I want to share a big idea that will frame the rest of our conversation. After that, I'm going to invite Tanya Kohler, my wife, and Sherry Kelly to join me up here. And they have some very encouraging words to share with you in terms of looking and searching for your life verse to guide you through everything that happens in this new year. And then after that, I'll provide some takeaways. So Psalm 119, big idea, interview, and then some takeaways, okay? If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Psalm 119. I'm going to be looking at a couple of verses. While you're finding that, let me share some fun facts with you or just some interesting information about this particular psalm. With its 176 verses... Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in all of the Bible. And so if you're looking for something fun to do, if you want something to conquer before the Eagles game this afternoon or this evening, then you can go and you can read all 176 of these verses and say you've read the longest chapter in the Bible. And I think that would be a great thing to do. It's a very long chapter, the longest in all of Scripture. So who's the author? of this longest chapter in the Bible? Well, we don't actually know, and scholars disagree on this. Many people believe it may have been King David, and that would make sense because he wrote a lot of the Psalms that we read. Other people believe it may have been the prophet Jeremiah or Hezekiah even, or perhaps Nehemiah. Some scholars even believe it may have been our Italian friend Malachi. All right? We don't really know, though, who wrote this longest chapter in the Bible. What we do know is its content, what we discover as we read these 176 verses. Like, suffering is described 66 times. If you ever find yourself walking through a season of life where there is pain and darkness and you would say you are hurting in some way, This is a great psalm to find and just to walk through some of the different statements that speak to suffering. Prayers are modeled 70 times. Do you ever find yourself in a situation where you don't always know what to say to God or what's appropriate or how do you even begin the conversation? That happens to us occasionally and whenever I talk to people who find themselves in that place, I will often say, just find a piece of scripture and read that as your prayer. And I think that would be an appropriate expression to give to God. And certainly, if you're wondering, what do I say to God? How do I even begin this conversation? Well, you could go to Psalm 119 and prayer is modeled here 70 different times. Here's what else we discover. God is mentioned quite a bit. He's mentioned 176 times. Perhaps most interesting, God's word, scripture, 
These sacred words breathed out by God, they are mentioned 182 times. And so what we discover as you walk through Psalm 119, this longest chapter in the Bible, is it places a high value on Scripture being something that we should indeed write on our hearts. It's something that's very helpful. And so let's look to Psalm 119 now. I want to read to you verses 15 and 16. Here's what the writer says, and out of respect for God and his word, let's stand as I read. A lot of verses we could read out of Psalm 119 because so many speak to the value and vitality of God's word. I want to focus on these two verses. Here's what they say. The psalmist is writing. Here's what I'm going to do. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Again, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. That makes sense, doesn't it? I think it does. It's almost like the psalmist is saying, here's four things that I'm going to commit to doing. I will. I will do this and this and this and this. This is my commitment. I will meditate. I will fix my eyes. I will delight and I will not forget God's word. May God add his blessing to the reading of his words. You may be seated. Here's our big idea for today, and I would encourage you to take out your talk notes and fill in this blank, and that is your best spiritual year can be a reality when you have an I will attitude in approaching God's word. I believe this to be true. Last week when I introduced Life Verse and threw out the challenge for everybody to begin looking to identify a favorite verse or something that is memorable and meaningful to you that just jumps into your heart that you can claim for the whole year. And in that challenge, I said, it's possible for 2018 to be your best year. I really believe that's possible. And I think most of us would want that. Like, yeah, boy, if this were my best year ever, that would be a great thing. And we would sign up for that, I believe. Well, I continued that statement by saying, if you want to have your best year ever, begin by having your best spiritual year ever. And if you choose that, if you choose to have your best spiritual year ever, I think it is possible for you to have your best year. So those two things, they work in conjunction with each other, your best year and your best spiritual year. One of the ways, just one of the ways, I think you can have your best spiritual year is when we say, I will have an I will attitude in approaching the word of God. And so just to understand these verses at a deeper level, I want to go back to the phrases now, and I want to look into what the psalmist is actually saying here. Psalm 119 was written in Hebrew. So these are Hebrew words and phrases, and let's unpack them for a little bit because there's great beauty in what the psalmist is saying. 
And if you'd like to highlight and underline in your Bible, I would encourage you to highlight and underline these phrases so that you can go back and remember them. So verse 15, the psalmist says, I will meditate. Now here's what that means. To meditate means I I will muse on this, I will consider, I will ponder, I will give serious thought to something. So this is more than just saying, you know, I'll think about it. It's a deep thinking. It's a consideration. It's serious thought about some information here. And I will meditate on that is what the psalmist is saying. In verse 15, he also says, I will fix my eyes. That's the next I will statement, which means I I will look at, I will gaze, and I will have high regard for what I am looking at in this particular moment. This is more than a casual, you know, I'll look at it. (laughs) We say that all the time, don't we? You know, I'll I'll get to that, I'll, I'll look at that. And that doesn't normally imply an intense gaze. Or I will really look at this and consider what is in front of me. <laughs> I have a friend that I met with this past Thursday. And he's a great friend and we were having a fun conversation. And often when I'm talking to this particular friend, he stares right at me. Which you know, you're supposed to do when you're having conversations with people. But you know, you, you kind of bounce your eyes so people don't think you're strange or you're a vampire, right? So he looks straight at me and never blinks, never blinks. You know, you kind of want to go, can you just move your eyes a little bit? And then you get the sense when he's talking to you that he's actually looking right through you. Like, are you sitting right through me? Can you move a little bit? I think that's kind of the picture we have here of the psalmist. There is such an intense stare here. There is a gaze, and he is considering with high regard what he may be reading or looking into at the moment. That's the picture we get here. I will fix my eyes. All right? Verse 16, the next I will statement says, I will delight, which means that I will take joy in... Or I will have a feeling or an attitude of taking pleasure in or fondness for a particular object. All right? So again, it's just much more than, I, you know, I delight in this. No, I'm going to have great joy. And I'm actually going to take pleasure in or I'm going to have fondness for this particular object. Great meaning there. And then finally, the fourth I will statement is I will not forget, which means this, I will not forget, all right? Nothing fancy there, just means I will not forget these words because I've been gazing at them and staring at them and I have such high fondness and regard for what I'm considering here that I indeed will not forget. So I will meditate, I will fix my eyes, I will delight and I will not forget. So stick with me for just a moment because we could paraphrase those two verses. We could paraphrase that when you consider the construction of these Hebrew words and phrases. You could paraphrase that to say, I will give serious consideration to, I will gaze at, I will take joy in, and I will not forget. 
all right? I will give serious consideration to, I will gaze at, I will take joy in, and I will not forget. Now, what is the object of these I will statements? Well, it's pretty easy to identify when you look in the context of verses 15 and 16, and when you consider the greater picture of what's happening in Psalm 119, the what he is pointing to is the word of God. It's these words breathed out by God that I will hold them in high regard because they matter and I will gaze at them and I will have delight and pleasure and fondness for them. And I will not forget these words. It's interesting because the psalmist in chapter 119 uses nine different words to refer to the word of God or these words breathed out by God himself, nine different words. And in these two verses, we find four of these words. I will meditate on your precepts. That's the word of God. I will fix my eyes on your ways. That's the word of God. I will delight in your statutes. That's the word of God. And I will not forget your word. Speaking of these words given by God. So I will meditate. I will fix my eyes. I will delight. I will not forget. And all of the focus is on the word of God, which again just helps us to understand the psalmist here. And these beautiful words place tremendous value on the word of God and how it is enough for us and how it encourages and builds and we should give great attention to it. So let's talk honestly, shall we? These I will statements, I've been reviewing them in my mind because if this is what the psalmist was saying he should do, it's something I should do as well. It's something we should do. So I will meditate. I will give serious consideration to the word of God. So I'm asking myself throughout the week as I'm preparing to share this, is that me? Do I actually do that? I think sometimes I do but I don't know if it's a constant drive for me, just being honest. How about this next I will say, I, I will fix my eyes, like I will stare at the word of God. I don't know if that's me. I, I will delight, like I will take pleasure in this thing and wow, I, I can't wait to get there and to spend time listening to God and what he's saying. I'm trying to grow in this, but I don't think I'm great. And how about the last one? I will not forget. I can't even remember my kids' names half the time, let alone where do you find that verse and who said that and where was it? I'm just not sure. I will say to you that one of the goals I have for myself personally this year is I would begin to live out these I will statements. And I would have a hunger for the word of God and a thirst for it. And I would have a desire to spend more and more time in it because it tastes good to me. It even tastes better. I want to get to this place. I don't know if I'm there yet, but I'm, I'm trying. I want to get to a place where the word of God tastes better than a cream-filled donut from Linda's Bakery at Booth's Corner. Oh my goodness, I love these things. I love these things. 
And here's the deal. Now, I, I know not everybody likes donuts, and that's unfortunate because you're really missing out on something wonderful. And I know they're not the best thing for you, but in moderation, every once in a while, a donut can be okay. So here, here's the deal with, with Linda's Bakery at Booth's Corner. When I go to the sale, when I'm walking through all of that, I say no to a lot of things because there's a lot of food in there. It's pretty good food, but I say no to a lot of things because when I round the corner and I see (laughs) Linda's Bakery and all of these cream-filled donuts just sitting there, and then they talk to you like, buy me, eat me, enjoy me. When when I see that, I want to have margin and space in my life to be able to devour a few of these beauties. I want to say no to other things so I'm not maxed out when I get to Linda's Bakery. So when I get into Booth's Corner, again, I say no to a lot of things. I prioritize my walking and my patterns and where my eyes go and where my focus may be so that I can get to Linda's Bakery and enjoy my favorite donut, a cream-filled donut. Now, I used to get the cream-filled donut with all the icing on top. Those things send you to the moon. (laughs) Uh, They're a little painful anymore. So now I just go with the powdered sugar because it's, it's a little lighter if you can say that. So this is it. Again, I I prioritize. And I get really excited, as you can tell, about donuts from Linda's Bakery. I don't know if I always get that excited about the life-changing words that we find in Scripture. And I will say before you, one of my goals this year, one of my priorities, is that I would be more excited about thirsting for and learning from and feasting on the goodness of Scripture as much as a donut. That's a goal for me. That's also a goal for our whole church, that as a faith community, collectively, in large groups, in small groups, in private, that we would just have a desire for this and that it would taste good to us. I believe the Word of God has that capability. It's that good. It's that good. And that's why we start every year here by saying, okay, let's get back to this and let's review and let's think about God's word and how good it is and how we need a verse or two to anchor our souls for all of the ups and downs of a new year. So can we just try this? Will you work with me on this and hold me accountable and I'll challenge you as well? that I will meditate, I will fix my eyes, I will delight, and I will not forget the words of God. And so let's put in some work and find a verse or two to help us through 2018. I'd like to invite Tanya and Sherry to join me. These are two individuals who love the word of God. I know that to be true of them, and I think you're going to be encouraged with what they have to share. Now, before we get to that conversation, I just want to remind you about a couple of helpful tools in finding your verse or verses. If you're not sure exactly where to begin, like the Bible is somewhat intimidating, I would encourage you to stop at the Just For You table. We put together a list of helpful life verses And there are many there that I think you would enjoy and that might speak to you and what you're walking through right now. And so if you're not sure exactly how to begin that search, 
that feels a little overwhelming to you, stop and pick up that sheet. Also, on the talk notes section there, there is a Monday through Friday reading plan that puts you into the book of Proverbs. Little pearls of wisdom there. And I enjoyed this past week reading through the Proverbs and so many verses there that I think make for outstanding life verses. And so you can pick up that helpful life verses sheet if you're not sure where to begin or just take that reading plan. If you have a Bible, open it up to the Proverbs, the chapter listed for that day or Google it and you'll be able to read and I think that will help you find a life verse, okay? All right, great to have both of you up here to share. And one of the things I know that we talked about and we discussed is that it can be very challenging to dive into this for some individuals who approach scripture with a bit of skepticism. Like, yeah, is, is it really what it claims to be? And is it truthful and accurate? And there's supposed discrepancies. And so maybe they're just not sure about the value of finding a life first, but they're here. You know, you're here, and okay, I'll consider this. How would you encourage the skeptic? Sherry? Well, I would start by saying I think that's fantastic because that probably means um, if you have some healthy skepticism that you're a person who really cares about what's true and what's real, and skepticism is a great place to start for that. Um, This topic has a lot of articles and books. Um, There's even a book called How Reliable is the Bible? It's from Willow Creek Church. You can get it for $10 on Amazon. But I would encourage um, those people to just try reading the Bible for themselves. Millions of people over thousands of years, even atheists, have thought that the Bible has some good, interesting things to say. So it will not be a waste of your time if you try it out and read the Bible every day for a month. And if at the end you don't feel any differently about it, you will still have a better understanding of what it's about and some familiarity with the most popular book in world history. So you can't go wrong. Mm. But I would also encourage you to pray at the same time, either before or after you do your reading, because if you're going to try it, why not really do it? Just ask God if he's there, if he's real and true, and if he has anything to say to you and see where it goes. I definitely recommend starting with one of the more readable books of the Bible, like the Gospels, The Gospel of John is a great place to start because you'll get a lot of the sayings of Jesus. And if you finish it before your test month is up, you can read John's letters too. First, second, and third John, which at the very end of the New Testament, they're very short, but they're wonderful letters all about who God is, who Jesus is, and what kind of relationship God wants to have with people. Mm. I've always felt that if you spend a little bit of time, in script, that God will meet you there at some point, even if it's difficult. And I said last week, even if you're a skeptic, read scripture for the great literature mm-hmm. that it is, because it's great literature. Yeah, don't be that person who criticizes a movie you haven't watched right. or a book you haven't read. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Okay, Tanya, for the skeptic, how do you encourage them? 
I'd say if you doubt whether God's word is really uh, worth your time, maybe knowing some of the benefits to God's word and getting into God's word might uh, help you out. So uh, this year, my life verse uh, talks about some of the benefits that we receive when we get into God's word for ourselves. And uh, Colossians 2.7 says this, Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him so you will grow in faith strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all he has done and uh, growing deep into god and getting to know him means getting into his word and when we get into his word um, and we read it and we pick a life verse there's benefits here. It says that we will grow strong in our faith. And that's in inner strength. We have strength for life. And I think uh, we all need strength in life. We need strength uh, for parenting. We need strength to have good marriages. We need strength for the unexpected. Uh, we need strength in uh, our life journey. So if we get into God's word, we get the benefit of having strength. And the next benefit is it says, let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all he has done. And for me, I always think of thanksgiving as a, a choice that we make. I have to think about, okay, today I'm thankful for this. But actually in this verse, it means that the more we're in God's word and the stronger we get, our lives just begin to overflow with thanksgiving because we see God's hand at work and we understand him more so we are more thankful and so benefits we get strong we have a better attitude because we're more thankful which always makes us more pleasant people and uh, one commentary said that it's kind of like a cycle so we get into God's word we get strong we're more thankful and then it makes us trust God more so it starts the cycle over again when we trust God more we get into his word more and when we get into his word more, we get stronger. And when we get stronger, we're more thankful and we trust him more. So I would just encourage you, if you're doubting whether this is really worth your time and effort, just try it out because I really think the benefit to being God's word helps us stick with it. So that's why I chose this verse uh, this year because I didn't want to get away from being in God's word and reaping those benefits. I've seen some of that in my life, so I know that it's true, but it's hard to prioritize. Um, we all live busy, crazy lives, but it's important to be in God's word so that we can have our best spiritual life. It's interesting because there's a sense where time in creates that thirst and hunger for more, which provides strength and leads to a life of thanksgiving, which certainly would be great for all mm -hmm. of us. I did put together uh, a sheet. Actually, I, I didn't put it together. I found a resource that lists different answers to supposed discrepancies in Scripture. So I know a lot of people have a hang-up with, okay, you know, Scripture says this, and maybe numbers don't match, and there's a little bit of this, and this is strange, and people often hang on to those things as a way to say, I shouldn't read this, or I don't need to, because it's not reliable. So there is a sheet that I found that lists supposed discrepancies in Scripture and then gives some content and research in terms of answering those supposed discrepancies. If you would like to read something like that, you can pick up a copy at Just For You. And so if you're a skeptic and wondering about that, I would encourage you to grab that resource. I think it would be a good thing.
Okay. For the person who feels overwhelmed, like how do you how do you find a life verse? Because it's a big book and there's confusing things in it. What's a suggestion or a practical tip that you two would provide to help us all as we continue to search? Tani? Well, you have given us the reading plan um, in the handout the last uh, few weeks, and uh, you started us out in Proverbs, and uh, I've been reading Proverbs, and I just think that's a great place to start um, and find a life verse. I think Proverbs is basically the book of life Mm -hmm. verses. Uh, I read uh, the 15th, I believe that was Monday, and it starts out the chapter by saying, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Um, There's a great life verse. (laughs) And you go through Proverbs chapter 15, and you can find about five or six life verses right there. Um, Whatever you choose in Proverbs is probably going to be great. There are also great verses in there to make your kids right, because Mm -hmm. there's lots of uh, verses for helpful parenting tips, too. Well, one thing to keep in mind is don't make this harder on yourself than it is. That's true. Uh, We are not suggesting that as soon as you pick a verse, you hoof it on down to the corner and get it tattooed on yourself. (laughs) This is not a verse you have to commit to for the rest of your life. Although if if that's your thing, (laughs) go ahead. There's a wonderful tradition in the early church for tattooing. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) That's a topic for another day. Um, This is... Uh, just a verse that you can incorporate into your life um, and carry with you for this year. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is useful to teach us what is true and right. So whatever verse you pick, it'll be good. Mm. Um, but to find something that resonates with you, I love what Tanya suggested last year, which is to get online If you Google great Bible verses or inspirational Bible verses and then select images for your result, all this artwork will come up that incorporates verses. And they're usually very short, but they're verses that have meant so much to someone that they took the time to create this artwork. So if it's something that has been meaningful and special to someone else, maybe that will resonate with you as well. Mm-hmm. Plus, you can, if you pick one that has an image, you can save that to be the wallpaper on your phone. That's what I do. So I see it every time I look at my phone, which is mm. too often anyway, or put it as the wallpaper on your computer um, or even just print it out and mm-hmm. tape it to your bathroom mirror. Yeah, it's great. Tanya shared her life verse for this year that she's chosen. Sherry, what's yours and why? Well, my life verse this year comes from Psalm 42. Mm. Um, which the author, probably David, um, wrote when he was feeling very discouraged and depressed, and he's just crying out to God. And then he gets to verse 8, and he says, But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love on me, Mm. and through each night I sing his songs, praying to the God who gives me life. I sometimes have insomnia, and sometimes life is discouraging. Mm-hmm. And I love this image of David with his insomnia being up all night. And what does he do? He worships. Yeah. 
in the middle of his questioning and his discouragement, he praises God. He's not pretending that his life is perfect, but he's shifting his focus to the God who gives him life. Mm. And he recognizes that the Lord is still pouring love on him every day, even when it doesn't feel like it. And I think that perspective is life-changing. Yeah. One of the things you've done, which I love, is that you found a verse that speaks to some challenges that you're currently walking through in life. And as you search for your verses as well, it's helpful to say, what season am I walking through right now? What's the current challenges in front of me? Or even, what are the successes that I am about to experience and face? And to find a verse that really touches on that makes it memorable and something that you can carry with you. So thank you so much for sharing. Will you help me thank Tanya and Sherry? Great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, two takeaways for you, and I would encourage you to fill in these blanks. Number one, search for something meaningful. We just talked about that with Sherry's verse. What are you walking through right now that Scripture can address? So search for something meaningful, and then pick something memorable, okay? I often say this, when you're searching for a life verse, if it makes you laugh, it might be your verse. If it makes you cry, it might be your verse. If it, if it pokes a little bit, even hurts, which often verses can and should do that because it's God speaking to us, that might be a sign it's your verse as well. So pay attention to those things and search for something meaningful and pick something memorable. Let me talk to you about next week. It's the final Sunday of Life Verse. And what we do... Every year, we have a way that you can write down your verse. And I have these blocks. And next week, there will be a block on every single chair. And you will have the opportunity, if you choose to, you don't have to, but if you choose to, you'll have the opportunity next week to write on that block your name if you want, your Bible verse or verses. I even kind of wrote mine out. Mine's Deuteronomy 4 9. I shared that last Sunday, and I even wrote it out on the block. And then we're going to have a time where we collect these blocks and then we're going to put them into a display that will hang in our lobby and all year long, you'll be able to walk in and say, okay, there's, there's my verse. And when you get to May and you don't remember, which we all do, you can go back and look at it. And when August hits, you can, you can go back and look at it. And I think that will be a beautiful thing. So we're going to have a wonderful time next week just worshiping and responding to the greatness of God, I have four individuals who are going to share their life verses with you because I want you to know people are really working at this and I think you're going to enjoy hearing from them and then we'll have this time of commitment which I believe will be memorable. That's all gonna happen next Sunday. Back to the big idea one more time. Your best spiritual year. You wanna have your best year, choose having your best spiritual year. And your best spiritual year can be a reality when you have an I will approach to God's word. Not an I don't or I can't or I won't, but an I will. When we have that kind of approach, I think we can have our best spiritual year. Will you pray with me? Father, we're thankful for this morning and for some time 
to think about writing scripture into our hearts. God, we've looked at some beautiful words from Psalm 119 that speak of these I will statements and the psalmist got really open and honest about here's what I will do with God's precepts and his laws and his ways and his words and I will remember them and they will be an object of delight to me. God, help us to remember that as we dive into your word. May it not be something we push away and neglect because we don't have time or we don't care. God, help us to be consumed with saying, I must have that. God, I pray that you'll do that for us. Give us a great week as we think about our life verses and bring us back next Sunday ready to write down our verses and just have a great time of committing to them. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.